Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Union Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined again this week by Liam O'Brien. Liam, how are things? Great, Mark. Yes, tremendous uh, win for Munster. Are we again? And yeah, the season continues for us. Absolutely. Continues for another week, Liam. We can review the URC quarterfinals from last weekend. Again, two road trip wins that we've called on our previous Rugby Union podcast came true. We'll also look at the URC uh, semifinals previews for this weekend. Those name will start from the start on Friday night in the Kingspan. Connick made the journey to Belfast to face Ulster. And uh, deservedly won the contest 15-10. I suppose, Liam, your reaction to the result? Yeah, Connick, to me, just, they played all the smart rugby. And they were very accurate in their breakdown work. They were accurate in their kicking. Look, they're a proper rugby side, you know. And they can play to their strengths. And I think that's the key as well. Whereas (laughs) in summation, Ulster don't know how to play. They have no leadership and have no direction. And while they they have some very good players on paper, I mean, you could argue Ulster finished the season as Ireland's fourth province in the story, no matter where they finished in, in the table. But yeah, Connacht, very impressive. And again, I, I actually felt they could have won that game by 15, 20 points. That's how dominant they really were until maybe the 65th minute when, when, when kind of Ulster woke up from their slumber. <laughs> Absolutely, Nima. I felt the scoreline was a little bit misleading as you say I thought for a good hour of that game this game should have been out of sight it should have been a 20-25 point win here for Connacht I mean Ulster were completely second best I thought in all facets of play but I thought particularly and I think this result really does kind of expose maybe coaching issues in Ulster rugby just the one out runners here Liam I mean look at the talented three quarters that Ulster had on their disposal last Friday night. James Hume, Stuart McCluskey, one out runners, one out runners. And to be fair to Connacht, preempted it very well. And the likes of Hurley Langton, who had a monster game. You had the likes of Connor Oliver. Again, it was, I just thought from an Ulster rugby perspective, the game plan was completely inept. I, th- I thought Connacht had a clever but limited game plan, if I, if I can say that as well in that first half, where they, they carry close in the whole time too. But the, the, the difference was with Harry Langton and the, the the Connacht forwards, they were making serious yardage, key and Prendergast, you know, uh, and clever passes by the, the scrum half in front of the, of the forwards. They just, they could really run on and really make huge, huge gains. Um, so I, I can't say Connacht were incredibly, you know, inventive, but they were... Again, very smart, I suppose, in the way they played. And to me, I suppose, you know, there was an awful lot of chances that Connacht uh, left behind. I suppose notably that Farrell non-pass to, to oh, Keenan Blade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was something that we're probably thinking they, were, they would regret as the the match went on. But um, no, I mean, look, Connacht in the first half, they built a good lead um, and deservedly so. Again, discipline left, I suppose, Ulster as well. And to me, even someone in the first half, when you go down, you know, 12-3 down, there was nobody 
for Ulster, no leadership, no one calling them together in a circle and saying, this is what we have to do for the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes. There was nothing like that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, for me, Balakum definitely stood out. His cameos were, were you know, very incisive running. Um, and yeah, certainly at halftime, Ulster had it all to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think Balakum was probably the shining light there in that factory performance. Mike Lowry going off early, obviously, with the HIA. Again, hopefully that's not too serious for Mike Lowry, but like Balakum's contributions when he did get ball in hand was very dynamic, but I thought it was very few and far between. And I think it really goes, pencils it down here to maybe a pack that's under massive pressure and a 9 and 10 for Munster that not are not very cohesive. But I suppose going to Connacht, you've kind of alluded to it here, Keen Prendergast, a monster game from him as well. I thought the back row for Connacht just dominated this playoff fixture. And I mean, they really controlled the tempo. They provided timely contributions here. And Hurley Langton's form in the last two months of the season has been an absolute revelation. End of the resurgence here of Connacht Rugby in this URC season. You know, they've now seven from last seven games in URC. And Hurley Langton has been an absolute standout here as well. But again, quality contributions here from all the back row. Yeah, Harry Langton, he was an absolute, I suppose, wrecking ball, we call him, you know, and I see those lads were probably saying, what the fuck, where did he come from, you know what I mean, because <laughs> lads hanging off him, and uh, yeah, uh, very, very uh, disruptive, but it shows, you know, how players, wh- when they really are at their peak, how they can transform the the, the flow of the game, and, and Harry Langton, I suppose, dictated the floor of the game was Connacht and was was huge kind of forward ball as well. Thoughts that piece was for Connacht very much on point. Pat Buckley was given as good as he got, particularly in front row. You'd been Bealham there. And again, I thought the so bench impact as well was very prominent as well. Bundy Akai comes in fresh. Thought there was some marvellous ball carries from him as well, really setting up platform. It was a real team effort from Connacht. I suppose the video analysis this week will point to several opportunities that Connacht were presented, particularly deep in Ulster territory and didn't convert. Liam, you know, you've talked about it. Uh, Ulster bringing on fresh bodies. I mean, Tom Stewart coming on obviously didn't make an impact. I suppose they did stir to life with 20 minutes to go, but I mean, too little, too late really in a playoff game. You have to be on it from minute one here. And to be fair, Alan O'Connor's try. We thought maybe, oh, that there might be kind of, Connacht might come back to haunt them. But again, Connacht's composure, I thought, at the end was really admirable when Monster was losing theirs. Yeah, actually, I thought that, that Connacht in the end, it, it was kamikaze stuff, to be honest about it. I suppose, look, I mean, the fact of memory is that, that Connacht should have been well out of sight by the 60th minute. Uh, Prendergast kind of disallowed try. Then Aki's pass, if it went to hand, you know. Again, that was another that was another Connacht try. What I liked about about it too is yes, okay, they had the last probably few fifty minutes a lot of possession, but Marmion had a key break there, which possibly was the game, you know, in the seventy fifth minute that break up there and penalty obviously for Carty to go fifteen ten up. I thought that's it, like that sure is a it's a match winning sort of um, display. I, I, again, when I saw him three times in a row, Marmion kicked the ball in the air. I don't mind him kicking, oh, yeah. but he kicked it like literally a metre in front of him each time. There was no yardage gained, like, you know. 
I found that a bit hard. I think everyone was screaming at the telly when that happened. Balakum as well, I think, yeah, in the last round, again, he had he had some breaks as well. But I think it's just the fact that Ulster's big-name players were kind of missing, you'd have to say again, you know. In terms of half-back, I mean, you kind of wonder, will Doak have to be converted into, into a number 10 next season? He certainly has the skills, you know, he both rate him very highly anyway uh, as a scrum half. And that's something that probably has to be done now at this stage. There's no only choice in that. And in terms of the back row, the back row, you'd have to say, of course, season has shown itself not to be not to be good enough uh, at the top level as well. Again, you know, <laughs> you have to question when when Ray isn't really uh, included for a lot of key games as well. But yeah, it, for Ulster, I don't know. I mean, I think Stephen Ferris was was kind of going to call it call it before the game that he he felt that Connacht had had it. Um, had the chance, he was writing that. And for Connacht now, it's kind of all bets are off. They they have a really good opportunity because they're facing, I suppose, a side that they're they're now beat. They were beaten by Munster in in their last uh, key game there. And I think Connacht will go there, you know, and win. I actually think, yeah, it's possible. It's well possible. I think it's absolutely possible. Look at the momentum they've built in the last two and a half months of the season. When you consider where Connacht were at the start of the season, granted the schedule going to South Africa early, there's plenty of injuries to contend with. But since Christmas here, Liam, there's been an incredible turnaround. And I mean, the legacy for Andy Friend has definitely been defined here in terms of the Champions Cup appearance being confirmed for next season. They're now going to be second seeds going into that Heineken Cup, given the semi-final. So I think all intents and purposes here for Connacht Rugby, not saying it's a free hit or anything, but I think there's no pressure on them. I mean, he considered the, the comments from head coach of the Stormers, John Dobson, after the Stormers put away the the Bulls 33-21 in the Cape. This was his quote. Uh, they, Connick, won seven in a row. There's something there that is worrying. The way they fight, their attack shape is really good. Connick have a great story from a windy Greyhound track in the far west with the smallest budget in Ireland. They don't go away. It'll be tougher than they think. So, I mean, what a mixed quotation there. But, I mean, from Connacht, I mean, plenty of motivation there, given comments here from a head coach heading into a playoff semi-final, I think. For sure. I mean, you allude to it also. We have um, Swiss De Bruyne on Supersport South Africa labelling Connacht as a very journeyman team. A good team, but a journeyman team. So, I mean, I think they actually completely disregard Connacht to be honest with you to the point of being insulting you know and again that 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 you know that that kind of comes true as well that will come true in, in, among the crowd and will come true among the players that sort of feeling you know uh, that comfortable feeling and yeah I think I think they could be in for a bit of a rude awakening I think it will certainly be a game of it Connacht can score tries at will I mean there's no doubt about that I suppose again they'll they'll have to target the breakdown and that's going to be the key and let's be honest with you Dion Faurie is, is the the big the big hog there if they can better him they absolutely have a chance of winning the game you know they alluded to it there 33-21 win for Stormers against the Bulls and I mean thought it was a pretty dominant performance from the Stormers now John Dobson had alluded to that he'd seen pressure in the training week that players were fully focused on that Bulls performance. Kind of saw it proved, again, host really controlled possession here from start to finish here. Liam Libok with seven from seven from the tee. 
and again, Bulls were always chasing the game, uh, to be fair. And I mean, some of the turnovers here from the Stormers, if I throw the stat out at you, turnovers one, Stormers 12, Bulls three, kind of told us tail of the tape here, Liam, didn't it? In terms of Stormers really controlling the field uh, here and again, three tries ensued and I didn't think Bulls really did lay a glove on the Stormers. Very routine win for the Stormers here going into the semi-final. Come back to because I'm a big fan. Deanna Faree is probably the best turnover uh, merchant in, in world rugby right now. I do think it will finish, they did not finish like four tries to three. I think actually they, they uh, the Bulls actually got three tries um, in that game. So like, I mean, there's nothing about it defensively. The Stormers can be got at. And, you know, I mean, if you look overall, I think two, they can certainly be got at also in line out. They're pretty average in terms of their lineups, you know, in terms of their the two guys playing there. And so yeah, there, 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 there's and then Manny Libok can also have a crazy day, yeah. <laughs> an off day in terms of the kicking tee. He will always produce, I think, in terms of open play. But yeah, kicking tee can be one of those days with him as well. So yeah, I mean it's it's all adding up to an intriguing match where again I give Connacht a very good chance of getting a victory. And I mean Connacht, their lineup this year has been different class. I mean, Cynical, our defensive forwards coach, has been superb. It's going to be a big loss for Connacht next season, but the line-out has evolved, particularly dealing with opposition line-out. Connacht have been a threat. I think Blueprint is there for Connacht. They see the extra Chiefs performance, particularly in the Champions Cup uh, last day tie, and how Exeter basically really went on the front foot and from a pack perspective, really laid on the marker. And I think that will be required here from Connacht Rugby. From one day here to really kind of build that platform. But I suppose, uh, Liam, looking at the Stormers, 4E, his cameo was absolutely different class. Evan Roos is coming back into form as well. Thought he was very prominent, ball in hand with seven successful carries. Williams as well as a key cog there, particularly in that three quarters, three offloads, 64 metres gained. And then Ori as well. Again, monster second row, 13 tackles, topped uh, the tackle chart. So I suppose Connacht will be under no illusions here. There are an awful lot of threats here for the Stormers that need to be negated. But as we've said here, confidence should be high. And I mean, again, all the pressures on the reigning champions here. Indeed. And again, in terms of scrum time, I would, I, when I look at the scrums in the URC, I mean, uh, Connacht is up there to my mind, you know, in, in terms of being one of the best scrums uh, they are so they're, they're not going to be found wanting at scrum time either in terms of Bielham up against Kitschoff. Great battle to be honest about it. So yeah, in terms of in terms of the weekend, yeah, I, you know, I mean, they're they're favourites, but um, I think I think Connacht can be there thereabouts coming to the final ten minutes. Um, and to be fair, it, it does seem to be that the, just the Stormers in the final 10 minutes, find a way to get that crucial penalty or that crucial try. And that probably might be might be what to happen, actually. I think from a kind of perspective, considering the win in Kingspan, but there's still massive scope for improvement here, uh, Liam, as well. They know that opportunities, particularly in that red zone for the, for the Stormers, will be limited. So they will really need to execute at a high level. And they're well capable of doing that. I think the weather forecast here in Cape Town as well, on Saturday could be quite a dynamic here. Again, predicted as we're coming on air, cloudy, 18 degrees Celsius, but the wind here is 40 kilometers an hour, which may really reflect a game of two house here. And 
I mean, John Dobson has basically alluded to it that Connacht would be very familiar with playing in windy conditions. And I think uh, the more you kind of look at this game here, uh, Liam, the more the elements kind of maybe suiting to a certain extent to Connacht rugby here, being able to adapt to the conditions maybe more so than the Stormers. So I think, you know, from a Connacht perspective, they're coming in under the radar here, as we said. From a South African perspective, I'd say the Stormers probably thought it would be Ulster rugby traveling to Kingspan. So the fact that Ulster got upset here, as you said, the intensity here, is it going to be here for the semi-final, given what they've seen before of Connacht Rugby? So I think for Connacht Rugby here, it's a massive opportunity to produce a great performance. And as you say, if they can be in this game going into the final quarter, I think there might be a few nerves here, particularly in the Stormers uh, fans and particularly on the sideline here, because this Connacht Rugby team have built a serious bit of momentum here. And winning is a good habit. And this team certainly are ticking all the boxes in that respect. And again, their record, I suppose, in the, in the second half of the season has been absolutely excellent in terms of home, home and away. And uh, I think that the Stormers, while they score an awful lot, they actually um, never kind of quite pull away. If you know an awful lot of their their, um, their wins, it's kind of like a, a struggle in, still in the last minute. The, the game is still in, in the melting pot. And I think that will exactly be the way it's going to be the weekend as well. You cast your mind back to last year as well, the semi-final when Ulster travelled to the Cape and I think on another day Ulster Rugby could have been looking at a URC final appearance really. I thought they were probably a better team for good parts of that game. Stormers winning it right at the end. So I think for Connacht Rugby there is a blueprint there to beat the Stormers. It's just a case now of uh, getting down to the Cape, acclimatising, getting prepared physically and mentally for the challenge ahead but Again, if Connacht can have a good start to this match, no reason why they can't uh, advance here. And that would be a, an unreal result here. But, I mean, Monster Rugby have shown a few weeks ago that it can be done. I suppose, uh, Liam, we can probably then switch to the other side of the URC playoff ladder. I suppose we can quickly skirt through Leinster Rugby, Celsea Sharks. Chamberlain's early try suggested that this might be a tough afternoon in the office for Leinster, but... Again, once Mpimpi goes off and Sinpin after the Doris try, one-way traffic really here, Liam, wasn't it? You see, and it doesn't help when you get when you get yellow cards at key key points, and and uh, Leinster are, are going to score tries against you then. Yeah, just just, just I don't know what I can say about the Sharks. They're, they're it's been shocking really, and as a team with such talent, and I don't know if South Africa are kind of a bit worried to, to have so much Springboks kind of not really in form either. Leinster, I mean, again, the guys who came in very prominent, and Max Deegan again, and Penny. Yeah, I mean, they're mixing and matching, and they're they're still they're still finding a way to win comfortably, which is very impressive, I think. It's just a clinical ruthlessness here, Liam. Particularly when they go the man player advantage, we've seen it in previous rounds, particularly against Leicester Tigers in the Champions Cup. Also against Toulouse as well. They've done it here again, particularly against Salchi Sharks. And to be fair, this game was kind of pretty much up uh, as soon as Mpimpi comes back on the pitch after that yellow card indiscretion. So, I mean, look, Harry Byrne basically controlled things at 10. Again, ably supported here by, you know, an awful lot of the sporting cast here. I thought Max Deegan, as you said, very good. I suppose the only points of contention here for Leinster here was probably the scrum. When we previewed this game, the scrum was probably sticking out a little bit in terms of how Leinster would fare. And to be perfectly honest, the fact that they had Tyke Furlong here and Dan Sheehan in the front row 
paid enormous respect to the South Sea Sharks in that respect, but it did struggle here, Liam, and it's probably something that Ronan McGarren and La Rochelle have probably looked at and noted, duly noted here, ahead of a Champions Cup final, and probably Munster as well to a lesser extent. To say it was Michael Mill on the, the loose head side who was really mullered, yeah. you know. So I mean that that kind of has to be perspective as we looked at here. I don't think that's quite a a weakness um, in terms of Leinster. Yeah, I mean again, there's so many guys putting their hands up for that that 23 man squad for for what would be the European Cup final as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's certainly very impressive. They're 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 impressively consistent. And again, they have, you know, probably some of the best, the number two, number three players in Ireland in a number of positions, the likes of Penny, the likes of Deegan and, and Cohen and these these guys. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see now really kind of what the selection is for, for next week, really. Success is breeding success here. And again, an awful lot of these guys want to be on that 23-man squad, particularly entering into a Champions Cup final against La Rochelle and the Aviva. On Saturday week, so I mean, for Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, and the management, it must be a superb problem to have. I suppose as well, going back to Leinster, I mean, they scored five tries uh, during the game here. I mean, some of the set of play absolutely first class. Think of the Larmer try in terms of how the game basically the the creation of width here was superb here from uh, Harry Byrne, just just literally spot the gap. Uh, on the side for uh, Jordan Larmer to score. I mean, again, very well orchestrated, but I suppose the injuries as well. James Ryan at the game with a protective boot on. Not sure how serious that is. Keen Healy going down late here as well with a leg injury and also Tyke Furlong basically limped off as well. So I think that'll be an interesting kind of maybe subplot in terms of pre-game notes for maybe the Champions Cup. But I would imagine here, uh, Liam, we'll probably see more rotation from Leicester Rugby against We'll talk about Munster in a few minutes here next uh, Saturday. Again, though, in terms of good uh, good rotation, their players coming back from injury will be playing against Munster. So you're talking about Ronan Kelleher, James Lowe and uh, Robbie Hinshaw. So, I mean, <laughs> nothing easy for Munster either way, whatever kind of team they, they decide to, to pick. So, yeah, I reckon those lads are going to be starting, you know. They have to, with the following week in mind, and again, yeah, I mean, probably just look, the first 15 will be rested. I think you'll have all the other guys, Leinster guys, impact guys on the bench. So you'll have maybe your Conan and your Bairds and your Healy's on the bench next week against Munster, you know, to, 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 to give that sort of impact in the second half. Joe McCarthy as well. Thought was very prominent as well. And his cameo, Ryan Baird, was absolutely outstanding. So, I mean, whoever Munster faced next Saturday, they should be under no illusions here. 1-23 to will be outstanding ball players that are on top of form here. And again, the prize is fairly um, clear for Leinster here. Get a win against Munster, get into a URC final, but also there's a Champions Cup final appearance here. And to get in the thoughts of Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, Rob McBride, and the rest of the Leinster management to get into that squad for a cup final, a home cup final, let's call it that, because it's in the Aviva in Dublin against La Rochelle. But I mean, from a Sharks perspective here, Lean, finishing off on them, this performance was like an eighth place team in a quarter final. Fell well below the standards required to get a result in the playoffs, particularly in the URC after last season's quality that was seen. There is head coaching personnel changes again, John Bloomtree coming back into the ball club. But again, there's going to be an awful lot of personnel changes here from 
the Sharks. Particularly no Champions Cup, but also quite a few noted players moving on to Europe after the World Cup. So it does seem like the Sharks will maybe in a, be in a transitional period next season. And again, it's uh, Khaleesi is gone after World Cup. Um, Dutoy is gone. Vincent Cox is com- coming back in. But again, the main thing that's not been addressed is kind of number 10, you know, where they're, they're pretty bang average. Also, I think, yeah, the, the composition of their, of their back rows, again, is going to be pr- pretty, pretty un- unbalanced as well. But yeah, I mean, look, I suppose, look, I, I, there's a number of teams you could say, certainly the Sharks is the obvious one, but Cardiff also, you know, were star-studded this, this season and also failed to deliver, it has to be said. But yeah, again, you know, huge question marks over the Sharks for next season as to how they can possibly even improve on their league position. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting watch there, particularly considering the amount of investment that was put into the playing squad, particularly in this current season. And for the the, the season to peter out how it did, I think is massively disappointing for both the Sharks, but I think for South African rugby in general. And as I say, quite a few key players here, like Sikolisi is racing against time to be fit for a Rugby World Cup in the autumn. I mean, again, at the bed, hasn't featured in the last few weeks since sustaining an injury against Munster. Detroit as well. So I think there's a few question marks here, particularly for the Shark. But again, take nothing away for Leinster Rugby. This looked a potential banana skin fixture, but just how efficiently ruthless Leinster were to kill this game off before half time and then allowed the bench to be cleared kind of after 50-55 minutes. I thought it was very impressive. I suppose, Liam, we can then kind of focus on Scotston. We there marked this game for Munster Rugby after the Munster Rugby South African Tour. We saw a win at the Stormers, the draw against Celtic Sharks to secure that fifth spot. We felt that there was a big chance of going to Scotstown, and so it proved 14-5, breaking the Glasgow Warriors 17-game unbeaten run at Scotstown. Again, a very bright fire and brimstone playoff fixture in Scotstown. I suppose your reaction there, Liam? Yeah, it's another fabulous uh, away day victory, kind of almost against the odds, you know, first time that the... They lose in Scotstone in 17 months, so pretty much whatever a season and a quarter, you know. Yeah. Incredible stuff. A typical monster for performance is what I can say, you know. Typical great, typical keeping the game even maybe in the first 20 minutes when they had all the ball and they were threatening to possibly run away with it. And again, it's one of these things where there are times where they make a break or they pass and it could have been over the line and the game could have been done dusty, but we hung in there for 20 minutes and then after that, we got our own two tries and you'd have to say then for the rest of the game kind of we kept them fairly easily at bay defensively I'm, I'm talking about I mean they did they really didn't after that threaten that that much and just so delighted that the Munster team are developing you know and and Leamy's defensive work it, it, that's working and there's a lovely link play between the backs and forwards as well so it's it's all it's all coming coming good and I would nearly say they are peaking, you know. They've been progressively peaking um, now because each week they've been improving. Yeah, I just thought um, the two tries were absolutely smashing. Now, this is, this is the, I would actually argue, even in the great days, we never produced any sort of try scoring, you know, backline play like that. Like, re, you know, really inventive play off the, the scrum half and, and two off, off 10. And yeah, I mean, Fekatoa and Frisch again were outstanding. The two wingers, Haley, 
Like you, you couldn't fault every every player who who started certainly was super. And then I think the key thing was with resilience. It was just the fact that so many lads went off injured. You know, O'Mahony after five minutes, and then like the Sneeman, seventeen, and then Barron, and just the guys who came in were were outstanding. You know, so Hodnett coming in and and um, Finine, Witcherly, yeah, it's just again a well-oiled machine. They come in. They, they played superbly. That that was another thing that kind of stood out for me, I guess. Yeah, it, it's always a good sign, I think, when the centres are scoring tries again off the off the half backs. It's <laughs> they're they you know they they clearly have the same I suppose the same mentality and they know the lines are running. Yeah, just uh, a super performance. I mean, like look again, you could say. It was it was fourteen and a half time. It could have been twenty one nil. I think again, just before half time, Barron with again a bit of a wayward pass. That's right, because that went to hand. That was the game over as well. So for, certainly first half was was excellent. You know everything that you wanted from Munster in that opening half, they gave superb defensive stand, particularly in that opening twenty minutes, as you said here, Liam. Because I mean, look, Glasgow are a quality side, Liam. I mean, we've looked at them throughout the season. They weren't fourth place in the URC for nothing. I mean, their Challenge Cup performances to date have been outstanding as well. They put an awful lot of points on the board against an awful lot of opposition, particularly in Scotston. So the fact that Munster, and as you say, massive credit to Dennis Leamy. I know he was given a bit of criticism along with the team, particularly during that Celsius Sharks, that 16 European Champions Cup tie, and also the Glasgow Warriors game at Tolman Park, which probably had revenge on their mind going in last weekend. But I thought defensively, to a man, stood up, didn't give any easy points here for Glasgow. And then it felt like Munster evolved here a little bit lean, particularly when the opportunities did arise, particularly in that second quarter, either side of some red card that we'll talk to about in a minute. Again, it was clinically executed from our half-backs to our three quarters. Lovely interchange. Shane Daly also very prominent there. Uh, as well uh, for Frisch's try. So I think an awful lot of good things here from Munster Rugby. I suppose, can I get your thoughts on Jordan's card on 25 minutes? No real complaints here, is there? Yeah, it's on Jordan. Yeah, look, I mean, it was actually, I think, one of the only clear breaks Munster had in in the first half uh, with Murray down the wing. And yeah, look, I mean, Jordan basically went in with the head. There was no mitigating circumstance there whatsoever. And... I suppose, look, when, when the Scottish commentator, you know, who you think would be a bit biased, when he said, look, <laughs> for where I am, it's it's a straight red, you know, you know that it's 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 serious. I suppose the implication was at that stage, at 14-0 and then, then the red card down, they, they were going to find it even tougher then to kind of attack Munster to, uh, and try and open Munster up um, offensively. Per, you know, perversely on the other side, they were going to find it harder to to defend out wide against Munster, and, and that's really how, how it happened for the rest of the game as well. But uh, yeah, again, one of these things that were at least it was clear that it was a straight red, and there was no going to be no kind of dubious decision against that. You know, no, I mean it's a straight red all day long. I mean, there's no mitigation there, unfortunately for Jordan. I mean. No 10, no versatility on the bench here for Glasgow either to kind of change it up either. So I think they had cohesion issues, particularly from nine to their three quarters. But again, Glasgow continued to basically 
put up the fight to Munster. I mean, as we said in previous podcasts, there's no love lost between these two ball clubs. I mean, there's quite a historical rivalry built up between these two ball clubs for many a year. And again, a very competent performance here from Munster again. I know there's been a bit of critique in terms of not finishing off the game. Glasgow really did have good moments here as well, particularly in that third quarter. And I suppose the Steen try, probably the best move of the game. But again, there was no conversion at the end of that. 14-5, still a two-score game. And I thought Munster, Abermurphy closed out the game here, Liam, particularly in the last 10 minutes, played in the right areas. And our scrum did hold pretty firm as well, <laughs> particularly when Lachman basically came in at the end as well. So really kind of locked things down, uh, particularly. Witchery actually got a penalty, you know, when he came on. <laughs> so that's a that's a that's some impact, yeah. Yeah, I, I again, I suppose look, I always I always look at the, the 40 to the 60th minute, funny enough, has been the key one time in the game. And Glasgow definitely had plenty of opportunity. Then they, I suppose, I won't say Dempsey lost the ball really when they were attacking the line. They also had a all held up. But yeah, I, th- I thought 66 minutes, I thought it was just a bit too late, to be honest with you, for Glasgow. They needed about probably 10 minutes before that. Uh, Steen's try, for sure. But then again, Glasgow got a yellow with five minutes to go. They were down to 13, and, you know, that, that was the end of that, really. You're not you're not going to score against 15 when you have only 13 players, realistically. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, th- I think we dealt comfortably, to be honest with you, with Glasgow in the second half. I know they were all, I felt it was all puff, you know. Yeah, and 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 they weren't they weren't really going to get over the line. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I couldn't even criticize them. I know, like again, you know, five fourteen five seems like a, a quite a big um, winning margin, but the worry really was nothing in it for a lot of the game. I think that Munster they learned an awful lot from that Glasgow defeat in Tolman Park as to, to how to to attack them at the rook basically not to get, let them run good lines that, that, that they run in Tomer Park. And it has to be said, look, because you have to look over the course of the season with Leamy and, and, and defensively in general, those two things were a blip, you know. To me now, the Sharks, which I thought at the time, I thought to myself, the Sharks team just fluky on the day, you know. <laughs> it was like, like you know, played in a sauna, and the last three or four tries were just completely like, you know, would never have been scored normally, you know, bounce of the ball sort of thing. Right. So that was that. And and yeah, look, Glasgow certainly was a different story. That was our worst really performance for 40 minutes in the season completely. But yeah, you can now say, look, that was a blip. That was a bit of a blip. But yeah, we, look, we, we, we got the learnings basically from that Glasgow defeat. That's what's impressed me the most, regardless of the result that's going to happen this weekend at the Viva against Leinster. I think Munster are showing the evolution, their adaptation in terms of evolving, correcting any issues that have happened in previous encounters. I think you've raised a superb point there, Liam, in terms of how they've learned from their mistakes. And there has been mistakes, particularly at the start of the season. And there has been, we've had a great run of form here, particularly. I mean, the Glasgow Warriors game for me in, in Tom Park was probably a low point, but I think it was probably a, a big lesson learned here for Munster Rugby. And as you say, they applied it so well against uh, Glasgow. I mean, look, Glasgow's home records, as I said, at the start of this piece. First loss in 17 games. I mean, it's uh, that's a huge scalp. When you consider Munster going down to the Cape and beating Stormers, smashing a two-year home record on the Stormers as well, getting a result against Celtic Sharks at the last URC round, given where they were at half-time in that game. 
I mean, there's a bit of backbone happening here with Munster Rugby. There's a bit of character. There's a determination. And I think we're going to have to see that all uh, come out again against the Rugby this weekend. But again, an awful lot of good things and positivity to kind of lead into that game uh, on Saturday here, Liam. Yeah, there's, there's, look, there's a lot to, to build on, even for next season, you know. And again, this is read bonus point territory, I suppose, at this stage. In terms of Saturday, it's just a pity that we're not fielding uh, probably a stronger stronger side. But the guys who are coming in, they, they won't be found wanting, you know, if the witcheries have to come in. And at, at centre, it'll be intriguing to see who we, who, who we actually field at centre alongside Frisch. Will it be Zebo to to make a glorious uh, end to well I should say end but to to end to his season this season at Munster so it's it's quite intriguing you know the fact that Leinster could very well have their eye on, off the ball a bit on on the the following week as well it's 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 I mean it's off play for like you know I mean who would have thought that you could potentially have a Connacht Munster final in the URC at the end of the season and but it's it's certainly is 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 on again what I, what I found is that even on Saturday I, th- I think that Munster with good ball Munster have that ability attacking wise now to score tries and I think that's that's the key now of course when you when you when you go up against Leinster their defensive line is like nothing you want you ever experience for the rest of the season but again I think it has to be mentioned. Dennis Leamy knows the inside track exactly. <laughs> yeah. on Leinster. You know, he, I mean, <clears throat> that has to be something that when it comes to this game, that Leinster are not happy with the fact that that uh, Leamy has been with them for so long and knows so much about them. I think it's realistically, we have to be honest, Munster with the inside track will cause quite a lot of difficulty for for Leinster. I think in this game. Yeah, that that is the hope because I mean, this is getting into the business end of the URC playoff season. The worst case scenario for tournament organizers here and for the neutral is for two blowout results here for two home teams. That's not what we want here. I do see that these two playoffs will be evenly contested, and I, I generally do see that. And I mean, for Munster, all that we've said about Glasgow, the defensive evolution, it will be tested regardless of who is going to be facing Munster I think you know as you said yourself likes of the Robbie Henshaws are probably coming back in it'll be interesting to see if Jamie Osborne gets a little bit of game time likes of Kieran Frawley so I'm relatively confident here I think from Munster's perspective here the approach has to be physicality here really impose their will on this game early and I think it's the same for Connacht against Stormers like we've seen here strong starts I'd be hopeful um, now again likes of Conor Murray Fekitoa's gone as well. Barron's out and Schneiman's out. But again, that's opportunity knocks for a few other guys here to really deliver a performance. And I think it's well overdue here, Dean. Once they're turning over Leinster Rugby. And I mean, as you say, week before a Heineken Champions Cup final, I think if Munster can be there or thereabouts with 10, 15 minutes to go, all bets are off here. I suppose you'd be hoping that we'd have a bit of a lead by that stage. Um, because, yeah, I would probably be pretty threadbare in terms of our bench impact. And if I'm thinking, you know, Leinster would probably field the guys who are going to have on the bench in the European Cup final, they actually would just put them all on the bench for, 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 for Saturday as well. So they're going to have quite a quite a significant impact off the bench. But I'm also, I mean, for me, the thing is, we talk about Jack Crowley. This is a massive game for him too, yeah. because... He is 
had had in his limited game time, he's been quite impressive in terms of out half. Uh, but I want to see him really boss this game, you know, on Saturday and almost say to the Irish management, you know, I am the second choice to Johnny. You know, that's that's what you really need at a certain point that kind of has to happen, you know. So that to me is something you know, quite intriguing. But yeah, I think I think again in terms of the back row, I think it'll be intriguing how that goes, um, whether we keep Byrne in the back row and play a dog bat with Klein up front, which which could work. Say Byrne and Hodnett and Coombs is is a tasty back row and again two massive lads in, in Klein and a dog bat packing down as well. So yeah, I just saw some very interesting subplots in in this game. Absolutely, I'll add Philly and Richley to that mix there in second role since he's been back from injury. He's been very, very um, prominent in his de- delivery and his performance. So, I mean, there's options there. I suppose the concern here for Liam, for me, is that scrum, you know, in terms of how we're going to handle that. Len- Leinster will target definitely front five here, particularly line out, but more particularly the scrum. So I think it'll be interesting here. I'd obviously see Stephen Archer in. Again, from, let's say, a hook perspective, we're probably thinking Niall Scandal now, given that Barron is out. And then, basically, on loose side, probably Jeremy Lockman. So, again, it's an audition tape for these guys. But it will be one in the trenches here. Definitely in the breakdown, but also in the set piece. Munster have to be so strong on Saturday. You know, for me, I've always believed that your, your back five, we call them, in, in, in the forwards, is almost as key as the the front row itself, and if the, if we feel the back five like that, I'm I'm quite confident that scrum time we certainly won't be going backwards. It, it to me it could very well be Mill again um, at loose head with uh, Ronan Kelleher is it like Alatoa possibly or or the Abelazzi. I mean if that says like it's not something for us to fear in terms of front row, um, and again. You know, looking at, at in terms of last week and with Mill and how he was fairly mullered, that's an opportunity to attack to attack Leinster at the loose head side, and, and I think Archer is capable of doing that. So yeah, I mean, look, there's plenty of possibilities. Again, you're you're looking at potentially at half back. <clears throat> you're looking at Harry Byrne there at ten, and again, you know, I mean, this is a guy who doesn't have a lot of, of experience in th- that kind of cup, semi-final, final sort of situations. So it'll be interesting to see if he rises the occasion or not as well, you know. There's so many subplots, as you said here, Liam, and definitely it was great to see Ty Byrne back on a rugby pitch again. Like, given the amount of time that that man has been out of the game, to produce a performance of that quality in Scottsdale really does bode well for Munster at the weekend. But as you say, the Jack Crowley factor here has to come to the party as you say, take this game by the scruff of the neck and really make this Jack Crowley team, you know, ten. So, as you said, there's an awful lot of audition tapes here, particularly Andy Farrell, Mike Cash, Simon Easterby. They'll be looking on fairly interested spectators at the Aviva and this game on Saturday because I think if there's any marginal calls going into that provisional Rugby World Cup squad, could be made on the basis of this uh, fixture on Saturday. So, I think for the players involved, I think it's a huge opportunity for them. So, look, it's probably setting itself up to be a really good fixture. I mean, given the context of Leinster's preparation for Champions Cup, but also Munster's unexpected injuries from last weekend. So I suppose, Liam, all the talking in terms of previews and stuff, can we get a few predictions from you? 
maybe we start with the Stormers Connacht. How do you see this game going in the Cape? I, I actually see the game being quite tight in the opening half, not much in at half time. And then, of course, after half time, that's often when the Stormers they, they pick up their tries between the 40th and 60th minute. So it's obviously crucial that Connacht, in my mind, keep toe to them for, for that period. I, I think Connacht, you know, I think that they're going to keep it tight again. I mean, the, the way you play the Stormers is you don't play expansive rugby, in particularly in the second half, arguably. You kind of frustrate them in every opportunity. Um, if Connacht could scrum and if they can maul effectively in the second half, definitely within a chance. Again, I give them a chance. You would have to be honest and probably say, you know, three points, four point win for the Stormers. But I mean, I'm definitely giving them a huge chance. Giving Connacht a good chance just looking at this better forecast alone here, if it's 40 kilometre an hour winds here in the Cape on Saturday afternoon for this match, then this is going to be a game of two halves here, Liam. And really, from a comic perspective, they have the personnel here to really adapt to those conditions. They do have Bundy Akai, who's pretty fresh here, Liam. You consider the lack of game time he's had with Connick this season. This is a game very much earmarked for Bundy Akai to really kind of come in and perform and, and deliver a man-of-the-match performance here. I can see the likes of Jack Carty controlling exchanges very well here if the the front eight uh, for Connacht really do set a platform. So, again, you'll have to give the reigning champions probably the benefit of the doubt here. But I think, you know, the South African viewpoint on Connacht may change substantially after this game. I think this is going to be a very close-run thing. I'm just going to largely give it to Stormers, but I would not be at all surprised here if Connacht really did compete very well and uh, really got the win. But I think you have to go Stormers, I think. Their home form, besides that Munster Rugby uh, loss, has been exemplary. They find a way, don't they, in the, as you said, last 10-15 minutes. And I think just marginal, 3-5 point win for the Stormers. I suppose uh, the Viva Stadium on Saturday evening. Uh, Leinster Rugby, Munster Rugby here. Uh, Liam, who's your tip to get to the final on the other side of the draw? Well, I mean, it would have been a lot a lot uh, clearer to me if we didn't have potentially six guys out injured for the game. But even with that, I still think it's going to be a game that's going to be in the melting pot right up to the end. Yeah, again, it, it's on the day. I mean, again, how our tight head against their loose head, how we do in terms of centre, like who do we select alongside Frisch now becomes actually, and I, 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 <laughs> I can't actually think of who we can select, quite frankly, you know, so that, that's going to be intriguing. So those calls, but also... It's about just if we get a any decent platform in terms of the breakdown and, and, and don't revert to this, this one out runner nonsense, you know what I mean? Because you're you're going nowhere with that. Um and I suppose too, you know, this is a game too where intelligent kicking is needed as well to potentially break down Leinster. And in terms of again mall, we have a good mall as well, so we should be able to off the line out really make a bit of a momentum off that as well. In term yeah, in term in terms of I suppose the overall result, again I think I think the bench does make a huge difference. It's bound to. Uh, because of that I'd have to give it maybe five point win for for Leinster at the end. Yeah, what I'm kind of looking for and expecting from Munster we've seen an evolution in the side in the last few weeks now. Again the Glasgow Warriors game in Scotland probably didn't see it on the scoreboard but I'm looking to see the same defensive the same line speed 
and the physicality as well. I think physicality is going to be key when you play a team like Leinster. You have to basically set the foundation from minute one and don't take a step backwards because if you give a half an inch, Leinster will destroy you. So I think from that perspective here, I, I would hedge it to Leinster. But again, I think for Munster, this is a free shot for Munster Rugby. Given how the season has evolved, I think as long as Munster can play and adopt their game plan that they've been continuing to adhere to and implement, I will be happy if we can get a very good performance here and really can be competitive against a Leinster side that, you know, they are the standard bearer here in the URC. So again, I don't rule Munster out at all. I'm just thinking of Rainbow Cup, you know, back in RDS where, again, there was kind of maybe shadow squads going on there a little bit. But Munster really had front football there, you know, and really did kind of expose an awful lot of problems when they played very expansive. And I would hope that would be the same here as well. So, again, you know, you have to kind of edge it to Leinster. But I think from a kind of a a neutral perspective, I think there could be plenty of drama in this game, I think. Uh, I think there's maybe a a dramatic crescendo in one of these games. And I feel the Aviva Stadium might be the one where we might see a very dramatic crescendo here. So, yeah, we're going for two home wins, but I think our expectation here, Liam, is that the two away teams here are going to give as good as they get here. Yeah, there's nothing in it until five, ten minutes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Quick mention and shout-out to the AAL 1A Division Final. Terran Euro College securing their first title against Clontarf. Caelan Dooley, uh, Liam, what can you say about the Newcastle West native? That was a phenomenal performance for me the best performance from a player off the tee from Ireland uh, this season. Phenomenal performance in the final 30 points. Just he hit it from all angles and I think a really good, good final there to really cap off a very memorable club rugby season here in the AL. Yeah, it's a very good standard. You know, I mean, particularly obviously 1A is a very, very good standard and again, I mean, uh, Colin Butler in a post-match interview with Terran Ewer said it, spoke not just for Terran Ewer, I guess, but for all the IL players and he said that that um, today they, they basically, they, they, they smoked the academy players <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, this is a guy who was let go from Connacht to, to my mind, very good player and there's nothing between the very, very top three, four teams in terms of the EIL and and whether they should be professional players or not, I mean it's 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 as simple as that. So those you know, Dooley is definitely has to be looked at in terms of of Munster. We've got you guy from Newcastle West. There's a number of other players as well that can be looked at as well. I mean you had Alex Sorocco there play for Clontarf, Harrison Brewer. You also had. A number of other good players that you know had just been kind of on the fringes of the provincial squads. So um, yeah, the future is bright, really. You know, at all levels. I think he raised a magnificent point on conscious of the fact that you know he was talking Australia, but then emphasised the point in English that everyone could fully understand it. But that pathway for a player that, as you say, that second chance opportunity or a late bloomer that's in senior club rugby that has emerged from who may not have played rugby in juniors or youths, that pathway to provincial level, I think, again, needs to be reviewed and looked at here, particularly IRFU. Now, obviously, provinces have scouting systems throughout the country, but I think Colin de Butler has really ignited a nice debate here in terms of pathways for players that, let's say, as you say, they're playing academy players and contract players from these provinces, the professional provinces, 
and consistently outperforming these guys. So what is the situation with these guys? Can these guys have a hybrid contract of some sort that can, you know, if they have the ability to really run the rule over them and really kind of see if they can you know, want to become professional. So I think it's a, I think it's a very kind of um, intriguing discussion point. Maybe it's one that we can talk about a little bit more here, uh, Liam, uh, in the weeks to come. But I think it was a fabulous game in 1A. I'm also thinking in terms of, you know, kind of thinking from a Limerick-based perspective here, there was a phenomenal game between Shannon and Highfield, uh, promotion relegation playoff, rough as well, you know, against Scary. So UL Bowls also, again, there's been, Young Munster, there's been quality games all during the year here. And I mean, next season when we have this podcast, we'll focus a little bit more on the AL because we've gone to an awful lot of games this season here, Liam, and to be perfect, fair, the standard of rugby is absolutely standout with an awful lot of good prospects coming through the system here. And, uh, you know, it bodes very well for Irish rugby as a whole. Yeah, it's kind of one of those conundrums, isn't it? Like, I mean, to my mind, those guys at the top AIL guys are well capable of playing, at the very least, English Championship rugby, you know? I mean, they'd, they'd walk into, I would argue, any of the English, you know, Championship sides. But it's whether they're able to progress there. And, uh, yeah, I have to wonder, like, would, would, so, would two or three of those lads be happy to get a six-month contract with Munster? just to kind of uh, test the waters and see how, how they get on next season. Because I don't think it would cost an hour and leg to, to convince them of that. And I think it's worthwhile too. So that's possibly a short-term contract sort of deals. Yeah, that's that's certainly one way to go. Absolutely. Like you could base yourself off maybe a New Zealand rugby union structure here where the club game, particularly juniors, is so strong. You know, you get the Mitra 10 Cup as well, which is very much a kind of a progression onto super rugby representational teams in New Zealand. So I think there's always scope to improve, particularly from an IRFU structural perspective. But I think that pathway for player development, particularly with senior club players who, you know, are really flourishing at the prime of their uh, playing careers, I think definitely has to be looked at. I suppose name will leave it there being a lengthy one, but I think a good one. Many thanks for your contributions tonight. I suppose next week. We'll run the rule over the URC semifinals in the Cape and also in Dublin and have a look ahead to the Challenge Cup and Champions Cup final weekend in Dublin and the following weekend. Until then, Liam, have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.